It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes Insider, Trevor Allen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As we are now, as of taping this episode, four days into Utah fall camp, and it's the first day that the players are allowed to put on full pads. On Monday, they were allowed to put on shoulder pads, but now it's the full practice, full gear, beginning on Wednesday. Have a lot to go over. We're going to play back a lot of sound from... Not only Utah football camp, but also Utah men's basketball got underway with practice on Wednesday. So you'll hear from head coach Larry Kriskoviak. You'll also hear from Timmy Allen and Ryland Jones. And then for football, you'll hear from head coach Kyle Whittingham. And then there's a couple of interviews throughout the week that we have done uh, throughout camp that I will play back for you uh, to keep you up to date on everything going on up on the hill as they are just about three weeks away, a little over three weeks away, from their opener against Arizona on November 7th at Rice Cycle Stadium. There's two things to mention real quick before we get into the interviews. And that is a big congratulations to former Utah forward Kyle Kuzma, who won an NBA title with the Los Angeles Lakers. He is the first Laker to win an NBA title since Andrew Bogut in 2015. And then also kind of a shocking uh, surprise here is that uh, Utah wide receiver Jalen Dixon has entered the transfer portal. I'm going to guess that he is going to Utah State because he uh, is very, very familiar with Jason Shelley, who will probably be the starting quarterback for Gary Anderson's crew. But it's not a huge loss, but it is enough to where it puts a little bit of a, of a hamper on uh, Utah's depth at the wide receiver position, but they're still really loaded and stacked at wide out. So Jalen Dixon is in the, the uh, transfer portal, and you'll hear from Kyle Whittingham talking about that coming up uh, when we play back the interview. And speaking of Kyle Whittingham, here is his interview with the media on Wednesday heading into day five of Camp Kyle. Okay, everybody, whoever's out there, uh, had a very physical last two days of practice, which was great to see. Uh, hadn't had the pads on or hit anybody for months and months and months, and so it was refreshing to be able to play uh, football again, almost play football. There was no live work the last couple of days, but there will be today. So we feel like uh, we've had a great start to camp. We're four days in. Uh, first time we put the, f the full gear on will be today, uh, and 
looking forward to that and getting some good evaluations. Uh, so far, a lot of good things from uh, a lot of young players, which uh, we need to find that out quickly where we are with a lot of those young guys because a lot of them are going to help us this year. And as soon as we identify who those guys are, we've got to uh, start sinking the majority of the reps into those guys. So, so we've got to make quick decisions this camp and uh, start getting the guys that are going to be in the two deep uh, the vast majority of the reps. So looking forward to uh, getting back out on the field today and, and seeing what happens in the live work and uh, continuing to judge the quarterbacks and evaluate them every day. They're, they're all three off to a pretty good start. We anticipate uh, having it narrowed down to at least two. Uh, we will have narrowed down to at least two after the scrimmage. Now we won't announce that. Nobody's going to know. And we won't announce the starter maybe until game week. But uh, we'll, we'll continue to think that through. But but we very, know, very well may have a starter, uh, at least in-house, after Saturday scrimmage. Because like you said, at the onset of camp, the sooner we are able to uh, identify that guy, the better. And so that's where we're at, we're at uh, right now. So questions? Coach, um, Devin Lloyd mentioned that he's tried to be more of a vocal leader in camp this year. Uh, last year, he had a breakout season as a linebacker, one of the few returning starters on defense this year. How important is it for him to take on a more active leadership role within the defense? exceptionally important and he's done a great job so far <clears throat> he's voted one of our captains uh, he's been a captain since january and he's accepted that role and and uh really lived up to to what uh, the expectations were and between he, him and nika tafua those were our two defensive captains for now we'll vote again on thursday we vote twice a year every year for captains uh once in january and once during fall camp which is essentially what's going on now but he's uh as you mentioned, had a heck of a year last year. I believe he led the team in tackles. He's a bigger, better version of himself this year and uh, expecting a big year from him uh, production-wise and leadership-wise. Hey, Kyle, I wanted to see if you had a comment on Jalen Dixon entering his name into the transfer portal. Yeah, Jalen's decided to uh, move on. Uh, he hasn't really been with us full-time for several months. He's been going through some some issues that he's trying to work out. Uh, Jalen believes that perhaps a new surroundings and a fresh start would would do him good, and and uh, I'm all for that. We're, we're all for that. We want him, to, you know, wish success for him, and, and want him to be in a situation that he can thrive in. Not that he couldn't thrive here in our minds, because we we thought he was doing a, a good job the last few years with us, but but uh, he has decided that uh, it's in his best interest to look for a new place to play. So we support him 100% in that and uh, hoping that it all works out for him. Morning, Kyle. Uh, just curious what the developments are in the secondary after four days of camp. Got a good start on the evaluations there. Um, some of the corners that have stood out, JT Broughton is probably our number one corner right now. Um, Malone Monta-LA has had a good first four days, as, had, as has Clark Phillips. Fabian Marks is doing a nice job. Uh, Bronson Boyd hasn't been out there full time. He's, he's a little bit nicked up, but uh, when he's out there, he's he's performing at a high level as well. Uh, in the secondary or in the safety position, uh, the two starters, at least at this point in time, are uh, Monte Davis and RJ Stanford, but they're being pushed by Nate Ritchie, uh, Kamoi Latu, our two freshman safeties. Um, 
Zamaya Vaughn is doing a nice job back there as well. So, so nothing definitive yet, but uh, we've got a good start uh, on, on the evaluations, and that will continue for uh, probably the next two weeks. Kyle, I didn't get a chance to ask you, but what are your thoughts on Alex Smith uh, making it all the way back to actually playing in an NFL game and the journey he's uh, undergone? Yeah, I was asked that last night on the radio show, and the same answer I have today, it's miraculous. What, the injury that, that he had and the, and the condition that that leg was in, to be able to fight all the way back, just to walk, let alone playing in the National Football League. And so, incredible story. Alex is one of the physically and mentally toughest players we've ever had come through here. So uh, if anyone was able to do it, was going to be able to do it, it would be him. And uh, just excited for him and, and happy that he's back on the field. I hope things continue in a positive direction for him. Um, specifically with RJ Hubert, you know, the fact that he is healthy um, and he's taking reps and as you said, he is the projected starter. The fact that he is healthy, how, how much does that do for you in terms of, you know, problem solving within the secondary, having so much youth and so many question marks? Well, it does a lot because as you said, it's uh, very, the secondary is laden with uh, freshmen, a couple sophomores, and he's a, uh, one of the few uh, upperclassmen in him and Bonte. And so to have him back on the field and healthy is, is uh, a big plus for us. Uh, like I said, nothing's set in stone. We've got some talented young guys that uh, are, are challenging, but but to have him out there is a stabilizing factor for us. And a guy that uh, has been in the system and knows how to get guys lined up and, and uh, makes very few assignment errors. That's that's good a good uh, good for our defense. And, and uh, you know, Coach Galley is by the time this is all said and done, he'll he'll have the right guys out there. I've got no doubt about that. Just to follow that up real quick, um, what have you seen um, out of Nate Ritchie? And do you envision him being able to? really kind of get in the mix here early. Nate Ritchie will absolutely be in the mix. He's done a great job ever since he started with us, and uh, which was back in the summer. He's a smart kid. He's tough. He's got size. Reminds me of Chase Hansen coming out of high school. Not quite as big a frame as Chase, but uh, probably faster and uh, more of a, a true safety where Chase was, uh, well, actually Chase was a quarterback, obviously, initially, but Chase went from safety, from quarterback to safety, then to backer. Nate, we don't anticipate being anything other than a safety in our program. Now, that could change if all of a sudden he gains a bunch of weight. But but uh, he's uh, a guy right now that's getting as many reps as anybody, safety spot, and performing very well. Well, I know every year you guys have a couple walk-ons or transfers that kind of fly under the radar and then show up in fall camp. And just looking at the roster, um, you know, I noticed a guy like Baron Gutkowski, who was up at Utah State, is now on the team as a linebacker listed. Um, Nick Phillips was a guy coming out of high school that a lot of people were surprised and get a lot of offers. He's on the team now. I'm just wondering, are there some new guys, some walk-ons that we haven't really heard from or heard about that you guys are looking at potentially, um, you know, making a move roster-wise? Probably too early to make that determination. We do have a, a lot of quality walk-ons in the program and, and guys that uh, we have a track record that is very good as far as uh, getting good walk-ons in the program and those walk-ons earning scholarships down the road. And so I'm sure there's some of those hidden gems in there somewhere right now with only four days to, to go off of. And uh, the walk-ons not, uh, you know, the, the young walk-ons not getting a lot of reps yet. Um, it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't be able to give you an accurate answer on that as far as who the, the lead guys are, but we're, we're pleased with the walk-on group. And uh, like I said, we've had a, 
tradition of uh, having quality walk-ons in our program, and hopefully that will be the case this year. Mike, you really did an article about my weight? Oh, yeah. The, I thought that was just an off-the-record question, I guess. People are interest, interested in that stuff, Coach. They like you. So. Oh, slow sports time, I guess. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're reading the paper. That's good. Well, it was brought to my attention. Hey, uh, you've got a chance. You know, you talk about the quarterback situation, and everyone assumes it's going to be Bentley or Rising. We don't hear a lot about Drew Lisk. I just wanted to see have any real chance of, of being the quarterback, and, and if he ha does have to play this year, what are some of the strengths that he has that can bring to your team? Well, he absolutely has a real chance of being the, the quarterback. He's he's getting reps. We wouldn't sink reps into a guy that uh, we didn't think had a chance, and so he's getting the same amount of reps as the other two at this point in time, but uh, that could change and will change at some point. He'll either get more or less depending on where, where he ends up in the pecking order. But uh, Drew, the main uh, attribute or quality that Drew brings to the table is his cerebral approach to the game. He's He's got complete command of the offense. He never makes a mental mistake, makes great decisions, uh, goes through his route progression when he's when we're throwing the football and, and uh, does a good job taking care of the football and really just runs the offense exceptionally well. Uh, he's more, him and Jake are more alike uh, as far as their styles. They both feel more comfortable in the pocket rather than uh, getting out and, and running the football where Cam uh, rising is the guy that's more the the runner of the two. So, so Jake and of the three, Jake and uh, Drew Lisk are far more similar than than different, but Cam is a, a different animal than uh, than the other two. Hi, Coach. We're all uh, jealous of your weight loss success. So, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta quit talking about that, though. All right, <laughs> uh, Mike. Uh, you you have placed such a big emphasis on special teams. I'm curious where that philosophy comes from, and how do you see this special this year's special teams playing out? Well, it originated when I had my first uh, collegiate job at Idaho State University. The first year I was there, uh, my first experience in coaching any, any at, uh, at that level, I had a, a little bit of opportunity at high school, but, but uh, it was, uh, what, a week before fall camp was going to open up. Our special teams coordinator, unexpectedly resigned uh, I was given the role I was given the job of a special teams coordinator right then a week before special teams as a player and at that point I fell in love with it just uh, had a, a great experience was the special teams coordinator there for four years before I got moved to the defense coordinator spot at Idaho State and so that's where it all started my love in in uh just being able to understand the importance of special teams started then, and I carried that with me uh, ever since. And I've always known how important it is, and was uh, and already made the decision when and if I got the opportunity to become a head coach that it was going to be a, a, a phase of the game that was emphasized and I was going to have a big role in. And I'm uh, completely involved in the special teams here. And I think that really, when the head coach is involved in the special teams to the extent that uh, that I am, and that some of the others, Urban Meyer was the same way. It, it creates buy-in, immediate buy-in for the players, and they understand how important it is, and, and uh, that's really the key. The key to successful special teams is that your players buy into it, and when the head coach shows a, a genuine interest in it and takes part in it, that, uh, that helps solidify that. And there you go. That was head coach Kyle Whittingham. Now we will shift gears and hear from Utah cornerbacks coach Sharif Shaw who talked to the media as he has a big job ahead throughout camp to get this very young cornerback group ready for the opener. 
Hey, Coach, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on how you're preparing such a young cornerback group with such an abbreviated fall camp during a, a, a pandemic where you're having to replace all of your starters in that secondary. How are you getting them ready during fall camp? Force feeding them through uh, absolute water holes. I mean, it, it's, it's difficult. You know, we have a, a defense that's predicated on understanding very quickly what you have to do in a myriad of situations. So having these young guys understand what we'd like them to do in various situations is difficult because we continue to implement our defense. We won't stop slowing down the pace with which we are introducing them to various concepts that they have to be able to decipher, then apply and execute at a very high level. So it's tough on them, but this is just part of the process and what we've had to do. You know, this isn't this hasn't been the first year we've had to do this, but you know, with so many vacancies, you just look waiting for somebody to completely emerge as the guy that says, Okay, listen, I get it. I see the pace that I'm getting the information. I'm starting to understand what I'm saying. Now let's make plays. So that's what I'm waiting for. I see glimpses, but I don't see the consistency that's gonna make me feel good come November seventh. Not yet. Thankfully, we have a few more weeks to grind it out. Hey, I was going to ask you, with uh, all the guys in the secondary that are kind of new, do you and Morgan, what do you guys do after practice? I'm sure you sit and try to evaluate, but right now it's probably an open book, especially since you haven't had full contact. You know, that's so funny, Dirk, because nearly uh, after every practice, Kelly and I will run up to the uh, defensive staff room and watch various aspects of film. We'll sit and watch one-on-ones trying to get – an idea of who's understanding our techniques. We want to watch our seven on seven, you know, because we just need to get a, we want to watch it together. Both he and I will look at it. And then we look at it as a defensive staff, you know, make our own notes. But that's been one of the biggest things that we've had to do quickly, often and over and over and over again, quick evaluations, more evaluations. We see it live. You think you saw something that was awesome. Is it confirmed on film? Good, great, noted. Let's put them in a more difficult situation next time to see if we can repeat the same result. So that's been big. Coming up here pretty soon, we'll be able to continue to separate guys because pads will go on. We'll have some full contact coming. You know, things are starting to at least identify themselves. There's some players in the back end that are very physical. You know, and you like that. We have been a physical secondary and will remain a physical secondary. So it's teaching these guys that that's an attitude every single play your temperament and how you bring your level of physicality every single play has to be identified on film so if i don't see it and a kid tells me oh coach i was going to do this but it wasn't done well you didn't do it you didn't do it and that's a minus <laughs> i give a lot of minuses and i've been given a lot more than i've ever given in this fall camp but i think the only way good players really learn is that they recognize their deficiencies it's explained to them why the minus occurred, and now they get better from it. Kyle has already said previously uh, that Clark Phillips has been working uh, both at the nickel and outside. Um, from your vantage point, do you uh, do you envision him uh, staying at the nickel? You know, once games start, or or might he kick outside? Uh, the goal is to teach him both positions. You know, if we don't have the luxury just to have him learn the inside, you know, we want to be able to introduce most of the ball players that are in my room the nuances of nickel and outside corner. And it is very difficult to understand and play the inside. But 
what I envision and hopefully he begins to understand it at a rate that gives us comfort and confidence in him is that he'll be able to understand both the inside as well as he's already been able to understand the outside. So we'd like him to develop and continuing to develop both positions. And just to follow that up briefly, what have you seen out of a guy, um, Fabian Marks, who's, you know, another freshman young guy trying to learn the position. Just what have you seen out of him so far? Uh, Fabian shows really good glimpses of speed, quickness. One of the biggest reasons we went to Texas to recruit him is because he's fast. Uh, state finalist in the 200 meter, 20.200 guy. We love guys with speed because he translates in terms of what we do in the level of man coverage and the blitzes that we bring. So he has shown that ability. Uh, we need him to continue to develop from an intellectual standpoint because, again, he's one of those young freshmen that starts running at times because of high school eyes that allowed you to make plays without a PhD in college. You know, you have to have very disciplined eyes in order to be a very effective cornerback at this level and then hopefully the next for some of these guys in the room. But I love how Fabian is developing and coming along like that he's getting more comfortable in the coverages. He's starting to understand where his help is. He can play with different techniques. So he's, he's coming along nicely at this juncture, Cam. Hi, Coach. I'm Hello. wondering uh, what, what are your expectations of the special teams unit? And uh, what, what do you see as some of the strengths and maybe some areas where you need some improvement? Well, the expectation is always to sit in the number one spot. We've been the top three. We've been either as a unit in the top one or two or three spots in the entire conference every year since we joined the Pac-12. So the expectation is to have great special teams play. It's something that Coach Whittingham has put his stamp on. It's something that we continue to do. Every coordinator before me has sat in that position, and it's, that's the expectation. I think we'll have a very dynamic punt return team. Having Covey back, he is projected right now to be the guy, you know, and, and I love it. Love that he's feeling a lot better. He's looking a lot more explosive, so I love our punt return team. Our KOR team is just a team that we continue to implement a, a system that we've created that, you know, that allows our offense to get the ball in certain locations to shorten the, the field. So um, my KOR team, our, our unit, is continuing just to take advantages of the opportunities when they present themselves. Kickoff has been outstanding. Lee coaches, Coach Swan on our kickoff unit did a magnificent job in the number one in the conference in the year. You know, and punt team is where we want to make good strides. We have been unbelievably good in punt team, and last year wasn't as good as we wanted it to be, so we have to be better in our protections. We want to be more effective in certain locations of the field. Maybe we can get opponents pinned in the fashion and the rate in which we're accustomed to. You know, when we're trying to kick certain punts in the sky territory, we just want to be better at effectuating certain nuances as it relates to punt team. That's what we'd like to make and continue to improve on. We've talked a lot about your youngsters, but uh, you've got a couple of guys that have been in the program a little bit. And I talked to Coach Whittle on the show last night, and, and he, uh, he singled out to Travis Broughton as a guy that's popped a little bit early in camp where he got some reps last year. Um, what do you like about his game, and, and do you expect him, even though he didn't get a lot of game reps, he's been in the system, he knows what the expectations are. Are you expecting him to be one of your leaders in the secondary? I am. Great question, Bill. I absolutely am. Love to Travis. I'm to Oklahoma to get him. Again, another kid that is 20.200 meter runner, 10.500. Love JT. Love the way that he is starting to own 
his leadership role as a young player. He's just a true sophomore. You know, he's doing things that I anticipated would happen and, and it's happening at the time that we need it to happen. We're starting to see him being able to close on the deep ball. You know, I want JT, first and foremost, I did not tell him this to his face, I need him to improve his ball skills and ball tracking ability because he will put himself, given his God-given attributes and ability, he'll put himself in the position to make plays. But the thing that we have been good at is coming down with those turnovers. I want him to be able to get to intercept the ball, not just get EBU. So him covering the more vertical routes has been, it's really been refreshing to watch that happen and being able to get his hands and his use his length at the line of scrimmage. It's also been good. And then just understanding where he should be and how we should fit in certain zone schemes when we're working various coverages. So I love JT, love how he's working through camp right now. I just want it to be consistent. Like I tell every single ball player, be consistent so that I can trust you. When I put your name in front of my DC, he can trust you. And when he puts his name in front of my head coach, the head coach can trust you. But Travis is doing an outstanding job for us right now. Just want him to continue to be hungry and continue working. And there you go. That was Utah cornerbacks coach and special teams coordinator Sharif Shaw. Now we will head to the safety position and a guy who will be getting a lot of playing time and is going to be a starter at free safety. That's R.J. Hubert. He also spoke to the media on Wednesday. Hey, R.J., just wanted to know how you've been feeling since the injury. Uh, Kyle told us about a, a week ago that you've been cleared to practice and are ready to go. Um, how's that been and uh, getting back into the swing of things playing football? Uh, I've been feeling good. Um, yeah, like Coach Witt said, um, I'm at a point now where I've been getting a uh, full amount of reps. Like, they're not limiting me reps anymore, and uh, I've been feeling fine. The, uh, the rehab process has gone well, and our trainers have done a good job of uh, getting me in there and getting me the right treatment and uh, rehabilitation program. Can you just take us back to maybe, uh, you know, the rehab process <clears throat> during the winter, during the spring? You know, was there a low point to the process, and just how difficult was it to kind of – uh, to kind of work your way all the way back. Um, yeah, it was difficult. Um, it was a it was a pretty severe knee injury, so there was a, a couple different elements of the surgery that were that was done. And so, um, for me, the the frustrating part was being on crutches for so long. Um, I mean, never I'll never take again the the ability take it for granted the ability to uh, walk, to run, to jump. Those things I've been doing since I was a little kid, I won't take those for granted again. And uh, But I'm really grateful for where I'm at right now, and I know I can get even better as well. Hey, RJ, can you just talk about the challenges of replacing all the starters in the secondary? And You're one of the, the veterans back there now. Maybe talk about what you learned from the guys who went to the NFL and then the challenges you have ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, replacing... Terrell Burgess and uh, Julian Blackman is going to be very difficult. They're great, uh, great guys. So filling their shoes will be quite a task, but um, I feel like we have the tools to, to make an impact at the secondary spot. And, uh, you know, I talked to Terrell, I text him uh, before games, you know, he's given me advice and he says to, 
you know, just buy in, lock in, uh, write down my goals and look at them often. And so I'm reminded what it is that I'm shooting for. Um, was your experience in last year's secondary and with so many freshmen, new guys in that, and the cornerbacks and safeties this year, what, what have you tried to take on a little bit of a leadership role, a little bit of mentor role with these new guys and kind of show them the ropes and, and kind of show them what's expected of them within the program at Utah? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like it's my responsibility as somebody who's gotten starts in the secondary before. I feel like it is my duty, my responsibility to take those other, those guys under my wing and to help them out. And, you know, game experience is something that's very unique and they'll all get the chance soon. But I feel like things that I can teach them in film um, as we go through walkthroughs or even just giving feedback and advice uh, after they get their reps on the field is something that I can help out with right now and to make them better and to help lift up our, our defense as high as we can bring them. RJ, can you give us a walkthrough of when you were, where you were in spring and when the pandemic kind of shut everything down, how long before you felt like you could run and sprint again? Because you mentioned it was a serious knee injury. We're just wondering like what the timeline was like before you felt like you were able to get closer to as 100% as possible. Yeah, so my goal that I had set with Coach Stout was to be able to run by the end of spring ball. And of course, that was kind of thwarted because of the pandemic hitting us. So before we left, before everything got shut down, uh, I don't exactly remember where I was, but I know that I was transitioning uh, into jogging. And so I could kind of pick up a little bit of speed uh, it's slower pace, but uh, the program that I got while I was away at home, I really uh, made it a, a point to reach my goal still and look at that goal. And by the time I came back, I was able to, to run, maybe not full speed yet, but I was able to, to run quite a bit. And then the summer program that we had, the, the transitioning phase as we came back, I was able to, to finally start sprinting again. RJ, I'm just curious what you've seen um, out of Vontae Davis here so far. You guys are kind of in a similar position where you've played in a bunch of games, haven't really started that many, and you're both kind of stepping into, you know, major, bigger roles. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what you've seen out of him so far. Yeah, Vontae's my guy. Uh, we took all of the second string reps last year behind Julian and Terrell. So we have actually quite a bit of experience uh, playing to the two safety positions together. So I feel like we have pretty good chemistry. Uh, and then on top of that, we, we spend time together off of the field. So um, that even helps more. But Vontae, he's got good technique. He used to play corner uh, at Flynn College. And I think he's got good technique, especially when, when we're tackling. He showed that in games against Idaho State. Uh, and he's got ball skills. So I think Vontae's got uh, – a bright future ahead and I'm excited to see what we can do together. So RJ, when you're home in Logandale and it's hot, I know it gets really hot down there in the summertime. Like how are you able to keep your rehab process going when 
like your your home, it's probably over a hundred and something degrees in the summertime and you're just waiting to get back. What, what were those weeks like when you were back home? <laughs> you get up early in the morning before the sun attacks you. That's the, the best the best way I could put it. Uh, and then also I did what I could inside in the air condition, uh, the, the rehabs like stretching um, and just preparing my body for when I went outside. So that way I'm not like overheating just sitting out and under the sun the whole day. So uh, the sun is definitely brutal, but you got to be smart about what you do and when you do it. And there you go. That was RJ Hubert uh, with the media on Wednesday. And then I'm going to play back an interview that happened uh, late last week on Friday morning, just before camp began, Utah offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Andy Ludwig talking to the media. Good morning. Hey, I was going to say, I like the beard. That's uh... Very distinguished looking. You look like a professor now. <laughs> Thank you, but uh, when you wear a mask, you can get away with things like that. So, absolutely. That's why I've got uh, breadcrumbs all over my face, and I hide them. But uh, hey, my question for you is: uh, Talk about the challenges of replacing a Zach Moss. You got the leading rusher in Utah history, obviously that you that's left the program, and I know a lot's been made of the quarterback situation. But can you just talk about replacing a Zach Moss and what a big challenge that is oh it's a it's a great challenge and a great opportunity for for everyone involved in the program you know zach had such a such an eraser eraser ability where he could he could take a bad play call and and turn it into an explosive play uh so obviously we got to be much more refined all the way across the board from uh designing and implementing run game schemes the way that we're coaching the running backs the way that we're calling the plays but ultimately, it's going to be a great battle for that starting tailback position or the tailback rotation with Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, Makai Bernard, Ty Jordan, TJ Green. It's a good, it's a good group uh, in the backfield competing, competing to be Zach's replacement. Uh, but we're, we're all going to have to step our, up our game to uh, accommodate the loss of the all-time leading rusher in Utah football history. Hey, Andy, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how deep your uh, offensive line is going to be. I mean, there's a lot of guys coming back, and you only lost one starter from last year. The, uh, the it's, it's got the potential for very, very good depth. Again, as you mentioned, losing just one starter and players coming back with so much experience, whether starting experience or playing experience, um, I think that that group has a potential to really – you know, as, as Dirk asked the question about the running back and replacing the all-time leading rusher in Zach Moss, I think the improvement and the depth at the offensive line is going to be as big a part of that process as anything as we have going. So I, I feel very good about the depth. I feel really good about the talent in the offensive line, and I think that will be a real strength for the, a real strength for the Utah offense in this upcoming season. Hey, good morning, Andy. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thank you. Good. Um, when we last saw the guys in March, um, Jake had just shown up. He he was just learning your offense. He was getting his feet wet. What have you seen out of him these last few months in terms of his maturation and um, and his command of your offense? Yeah, he's been, he's done a really nice job. Uh, you know, he's a football junkie, and I thought even in the short the short opportunity we had in March with the three practices in spring ball that he showed a quick take to the, what we're doing offensively. But he's a guy that has made the absolute most of this unique time in, in history 
and the pandemic and taking advantage of every opportunity that he's had to not only learn the offense, but learn his teammates and develop chemistry uh, with those guys. So the other thing I would note with Jake is that he is moving so much better now in October than he was in March uh, coming off that injury from his from his uh, previous season there at South Carolina. So we're real excited about the progress he's made physically as well as mentally in terms of adapting to the Utah football offense. Andy, with, with the pandemic and not having a spring season and, and all these different things that go into it, does that, does that kind of give Cam Rising a bit of an edge just simply because he knows your offense, he knows uh, how to work into that and being able to, to help all those things? Cam Cam had has has been around us for a year, and he's been in the press box, as you know, last season. So we've seen some things from a unique perspective, and uh, I believe it does give him an edge. Just again, there's a familiarity not only with the system but with myself. But I think that again, now that it's it's it seems like Bentley's been here forever now. Okay, the the thing that they both have in common is that they, neither one of them have ever taken a snap as a Utah football quarterback on game day. So that's, that's kind of the great equalizer right there. But I, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing these guys on the field today. Not that I haven't seen them for the last two months, but uh, things are changing now. Things, it's going to be a little bit different when we take the field today as opposed to when, what we did in you know, the middle of August. As you know, Kyle isn't one for hyperbole, but he said this year that he thinks that this is the deepest that Utah has been out wide at tight end and wide receiver. And, you know, traditionally your offense is played to the strengths of whatever you have each year at your disposal. And I'm wondering, how do you strike the balance between um, taking advantage of having so many different types of threats out wide while also staying committed to the running game that Utah is known to have? Uh we're, we're committed to doing whatever it takes to win. So if, if the strength of the offense is on the perimeter and the quarterbacks are up to the task, then things will open up. And uh, I, I really feel like last year we played to the strengths of who we were and stayed true to who we were through the course of the season. Uh, every year is different. We take a lot of pride in our ability to adapt and adjust to the personnel within the scheme. First and foremost, that will always start with the quarterback position, but there's no doubt that the depth and the talent level at the wide receiver and the tight end position is going to warrant uh, the ball being in the air more than it was a year ago. Morning, Andy. How are you? Bill, doing great. Thank you. Um, I know you like to get creative. You, you used that creativity a year ago with, uh, with Brandt Keithy at the tight end spot, using him in a lot of different ways. Um, a healthy Britton Covey this year. Um, you know, where do you see him fitting in with what you guys want to do? And uh, being kind of a make unhealthy, do you see utilize a different ways? Absolutely. I, I would put uh, Britt Covey is like a guerrilla warfare player where he's not, I'm not saying that Britt Covey is an X receiver, R receiver, slot receiver, also any. He's everything. He line up uh, as as a running back. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up in the perimeter. He's going to move in, getting out of the backfield, getting carries from the fly sweep positions, things like that. So 
I've talked with them about that. They, you're not a letter. You know, receivers, hey, I'm an X, I'm a Z. I said, Brett, a letter. You're everything. And you have to be prepared to adapt and adjust week in and week out as we work to implement uh, plays and design schemes that highlight his skills and abilities, which he has a tremendous skill set. So, again, he's a fun player to work with. He's way into it, and I can't wait to get started with him today. Andy, obviously, um, it's been quite a long time since you guys were in full pads and tackling and hitting fully. Uh, at some point here soon, you guys will put on full pads. What are the concerns, at least initially, of getting guys back into that mode of full hitting and full contact after so much time away from that? Well, I, I have great confidence in Doug LSI, our strength and conditioning uh, coordinator. We've had these guys here for about three months, so I know they're bigger, stronger, and faster uh, than we were in March during spring football. We didn't get to hit full. We uh, practiced three in March, finished in helmets and shoulder pads only, so there was some banging, but no live tackling. Uh, per NCAA regulations, our first two practices this year start in helmets only. That's today and tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. On Monday, Tuesday, we'll be wearing helmets and shoulder pads, our first fully live work and, and maybe not even full tackle, but full contact work will be on Wednesday. Is there, I don't know that there's any more concern on my part this year than any other year. Uh, we're coming off a little bit longer break than usual. But I, I have great confidence in the head coach's plan in terms of how much hitting we're doing week in and week out or day in and day out through the course of camp. And I'll follow his lead and his direction. But I know one thing, our guys know what to do. Uh, we are learning how to do it. Now we just have to see how physical we can be in terms of executing our schemes. And that will really start taking place uh, next Wednesday. And there you go. That was Andy Ludwig here on the Crimson Corner Podcast meeting with the media last week before the start of fall camp. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, you'll hear from Utah men's basketball head coach Larry Kriskoviak along with Ryland Jones and Timmy Allen. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host, Trevor Allen. As we now shift gears from football to basketball, um, on Wednesday, the Utes announced that they will be playing in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in the Bad Boy Mowers Crossover Classic. Um, that will take place over Thanksgiving weekend. And their opener will be on Wednesday, November 25th, as they will take on Creighton in that tournament. Uh, that is going to be taking place 
uh, for the Battle for Atlantis, which was canceled due to COVID-19. And then the uh, original teams who were in the Battle for Atlantis are going to South Dakota except for Duke. But now the uh, field will be Dayton, Creighton, Memphis, Ohio State, Texas A&M, West Virginia, Wichita State, and Utah. But the running Utes will open up the season against Creighton on Wednesday, November 25th at 5 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPN2. Now, with that in mind, here is head coach Larry Kraskoviak addressing the media on Wednesday as the running Utes began practicing in preparation for the upcoming season. Yeah, no, it's exciting to be in day one and uh, a lot of enthusiasm and a great group to, to work with. So there's the opening statement from practice. Good afternoon, Larry. How are you? Hey, Josh. Um, Doing good, Larry. Good. Um, with the news today that the event in South Dakota is now officially on, uh, you know, they had a press conference earlier today. They were a little vague on what the testing protocols are going to be once everybody is actually in Sioux Falls. Can you just kind of outline what is your understanding of, of what the testing will be once everybody is on site? Yeah, I know we're going to test when we land. Uh, we'll be tested three times while we're there. So, uh, you know, that's been part uh, one of the partial reasons for the delay, I think, is, is the security and safety. It's a little bit, you know, MTV, MTE is a little bit more complicated than a, a four-team tournament or obviously a home-and-home. Home. You've got eight teams and, and a lot of logistics and things to work out. But I think, uh, I think they're well-prepared to, to handle it. And it uh, seems like all systems are go. So we're, we're excited about it. And just to follow up on that topic, just um, on paper, given what that eight-team field looks like, how big of an opportunity is this just for your program to play some high-level stuff right away? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, a little bit uncharted territory for all of us, all teams that are there, because – we will not have any uh, exhibitions or closed scrimmages or anything. So, uh, you know, it's going to be on in a in a uh, dramatic fashion and three games in three nights. I think it's imperative that we we try to present as many different uh, situations in a practice setting. Going to have to play ourselves into shape and and find some competitive ways in practice to try to simulate some of those environments but the, the quality of teams that are there and the returners i think there's three or four probably preseason top 20 teams uh it's going to have a great sense of urgency to begin with and it certainly will be an opportunity and we'll see you know very early where we stand in the thick of things larry obviously we were all in uh, las vegas with you uh when this whole pandemic thing started and everything shut down what, what's been that last seven months what, what has that been like for you to leave Vegas and then have all this with the uncertainty and then the season coming in for you and the players? Well, I mean, it, Josh, it's just been crazy, you know, uh, this, this year to begin with been a little bit surreal. Uh, Kobe, you know, kind of all started with Kobe and we had some earthquakes, uh, had a number of incidents, incidents with, uh, you know, uh, police brutality and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a great movement, you know, for some, uh, racial inequality and it, situations that we're facing in our country. And 
our guys all went home and worked out. We had countless Zoom calls with them as they were working out in their environments, uh, you know, and just a lot of unknowns. And it, it's, it seems a little bit surreal. It, it certainly seems like a tip of an iceberg in terms of some optimism to have, you know, our entire team here. And we have a great group of guys. We've been doing a lot of uh, education, uh, different things to try to, to understand what's going on in our, in our world around us. And I think our, our team is getting pretty tight and, and now we have an opportunity to compete, you know, and as you know, with the, the PAC 12, that we went through a period where it didn't look as though we were going to get to play until after the new year. And we, we kind of took on that battle and, and thank goodness our presidents and, and CEOs revisited that. I think we've made some improvements with testing and safety protocols. So, I mean, it's been an unbelievably, uh, you know, an up and down roller coaster type of ride. And I just hope that we can kind of stay in the clear zone here and, and keep everything going. And I'm really happy for our players to have a chance to compete. And, you know, you feel bad for for all the young men and women whose seasons have been disrupted and not only in college, but in high school, kind of these short windows for uh, that you really don't get back. So um, it's just uh, it's been a little bit of an op optimistic time and we're back at it and, and happy to be doing what we're doing. Hey, Larry, how are you? Doing great, Trevor. Thanks. I just wanted to get your thoughts on seeing. Kyle Kuzma winning an NBA championship with the Lakers. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. You know, Kyle's Kyle is, uh, is, is a heck of a, a story, I think in his own right. Uh, a young man that's, that continues to get better and found himself in a heck of an environment with the Lakers. I think a year ago was, uh, was a player that gained a lot of confidence uh, you know, and was really, really productive. And I think it's pretty evident when you have, you know, AD and LeBron doing their thing. Uh, they certainly led them, uh, you know, to, to opportunity to get that ring. But Kuz played a big role in it. And it's, uh, it's a rare opportunity to have a chance to get an N NBA championship. And so we're extremely proud of him and look forward to getting him back to town and share some stories. And I think, you know, I don't know that a lot of people have an understanding for, for what all those guys went through you being in a, in a bubble situation for a hundred days. And, uh, that would be extremely challenging for all of us, not playing in front of crowds and, uh, you know, having an absence from your family and, and kind of the, uh, just being out in your communities and stuff. So it was a survival of the fittest. I think it was, it was good basketball. It was fun to watch Miami have the, success that they had and the Lakers certainly got it going and uh, we're really proud of Kyle and couldn't be happier for him. Hey, uh, first of all, I'm very sorry about, you know, the tough time you've gone, gone through the last month with you and your wife with uh, the COVID and your losses. Um, I just wondered uh, how much of a challenge you're finding to be with your own uh, players, you know, keeping them healthy and, and safe and how concerned you are about just the future with every, with all the cases going up in the state right now and just how the season's going to go. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for, for those comments. Um, 
there weren't two safer people, you know, on the planet when it came to COVID than, than my in-laws, uh, Jim and Barb Wickman. Uh, you know, we saw them very limited times and it was in our backyard with our masks on. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a complete shock for us when we lost Jim. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Barb had tested positive for coronavirus as well. So uh, it hit home for us with elderly people and certainly, uh, you know, has been a setback for our family. But, um, you know, all I can say is, is in speaking with our players is, uh, is our medical staff, you know, our physicians, uh, Dr. Petron and Trevor Jameson, our trainer, uh, and what they've done and what they've gone through since March. You know, I think sometimes a lot of people probably get a little bit of a vacation and get a little bit of a summertime to, to enjoy some downtime. And the people in the medical profession certainly were kicked into high gear and have been working, you know, overtime, double overtime. And our players are in a safe place. We've got a lot of testing going on. I think our players understand the ramifications of it. So I'm, you know, I'm, my fingers are always crossed, but I remain confident that we're, uh, we're in a good place here at the university. I think where you have to be careful is, is what you're doing when you leave the, the campus. And, uh, that that's, you know, hit home with a lot of us. And I think we understand that. So, you know, I'm pretty optimistic that we can stay healthy and, uh, you know, try to continue to do a good job with the protocol and, and keeping everybody safe. I, I really feel good about that in the overall picture of things and, and just knowing how well educated our guys are and, and what a great job our professionals are doing. So thanks. I, I feel, you know, it's not that that isn't on our mind. We obviously have to wear masks and we're doing a number of things, but I really feel like as a coach, I can jump into trying to really spending an awful lot of time on how to win and how to get our team better and get ready for that, that first tournament in South Dakota, you know, not to, not to downplay the gravity of, of what we're all going through, but I, I certainly think we're smarter. Hopefully we haven't dazzled anybody, certainly in our state, as have a number of states. Uh, but I think everybody's taking this thing a little bit serious, uh, more serious, and hopefully we can get it under control and, and continue to move forward with our, our season and other, other sports as well. Larry, just to kind of follow up what you were saying there, um, I see you're wearing the orange bracelet. Um, you know, I know you got into this with Bill on the radio yesterday. Um, can you offer any insight into, you know, kind of what the daily process is for the players in terms of getting tested and getting cleared and how they gain access to the different facilities? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we've got our week uh, practice schedule, uh, set out and all of our players come in. Uh, we need, you know, we need a, a time period of a couple hours probably to be safe. Uh, any day that we're practicing with contact, our players will, will do a test and those results, Trevor's getting that turned around in an hour and a half or less than an hour and a half. Um, but there's quite a protocol sign in every morning and, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of traffic around campus. It, we've been shut down here uh, to online only as of late. So 
you know, a lot of athletes running around and coaches and, and everybody continues to do a, a good job. And, um, you know, so far so good. I, I don't know if anything specific to our testing or that you were wondering about Josh, but it's, it's pretty, pretty regimented and, and, uh, you know, everybody's doing a good job staying within the lines. Off topic real quick, just, um, with South Dakota now done, do you expect the rest of the non-conference to kind of fall into fall into place kind of quickly now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was, uh, you know, when you have as many as seven games as you can play in the preseason and, you know, if you do the math on that, it's almost half of the preseason is in one event. So before we could move forward and solidify um, the rest of our schedule, we had to get that one dialed in. But I think, uh, you know, coming up with four other games is going to be something that, uh, you know, we're able to announce here pretty soon and, and, and be able to move forward. Hey, Coach, last season, uh, toward the end of the year, Alfonso Plummer, really came on strong. What are your expectations for him in his senior season uh, and moving forward? Yeah, well, Fonz is our, uh, he's our only senior uh, on our roster and certainly uh, ended the season on as high a note as anybody probably did in college basketball and was playing uh, with a lot of confidence. And, um, you know, there's, I wouldn't say what do we expect of him, but uh, he certainly is a is a high powered weapon for us. We expect him to to continue to take great shots and get open looks. And uh, you know, being a two way game that basketball is, he's going to have to continue to dial in his effort on the defensive end. But you know, Fonz is a guy in the off season. I think he did a really good job. Uh, you know, in his in his off-season training, had access to a gym and playing with a lot of confidence. Is putting in some good, good time in the gym and in the weight room. And we, we're trying to get all our guys in in top condition right now. We got to get get ready to go. But um, he's going to certainly be an integral part of what we're doing. And I think uh, he continues playing with that confidence. We can expect some some big things from him. We're all excited to have him back. He's playing with a lot of confidence and uh, certainly with a lot more understanding for what it is we're trying to do and, you know, being one of the returners that knows a little bit what to expect. I think he's going to be considerably ahead of, uh, of, of some of the other new guys that we've got on our roster. Coach, I know that last year the really big story was that you had so many young players. You had one of the youngest teams in the entire country. Now that they're a year older, a year wiser, and a year into your program, how are they looking heading into these practices and into the season? Well, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's great. It's, uh, it's certainly something we recognize as a coaching staff that we just, we aren't on that steep learning curve anymore. I think we've got a really good understanding what those returners can do. And I've always thought that, and, uh, you know, the year between your freshman and sophomore season, uh, oftentimes is one of those breakthrough type of uh, of times. And I think Carlson and Jones and Mickey, uh, uh, Jackson Brinchley, you know, I don't want to miss anybody, but I just know that uh, they seem, you know, they seem like KG old veterans, even though they're only sophomores, uh, just because they're back and, 
and uh, and bring a little bit of that moxie and familiarity to our team. And and they're doing a nice job bringing uh, the new guys along, uh, Ian, uh, Jordan, and Pella. You know, you see a lot of those guys that are familiar with what it is we're doing. Uh, not only is it less of a load on us as coaches, but I think some of those guys are helping them out. So I think everybody's in a in a more relaxed place and uh, in a, in a higher level of being comfortable. I know we've made some plays that, you know, coaches kind of behind the scenes when when they're making a play kind of, you know, wink at each other. And I just feel like we're we're quite a bit ahead of where we were a year ago. So. You know, we've we've got our hands full with our schedule, as you see, and we're going to have to be ready to go. But it's it's encouraging. And I think there's a little bit more of a pep in everybody's step to know that that we don't have so much learning to do. And we're going to be able to, I think, compete at a higher level earlier in a season. So. Larry, Timmy obviously was, is integral to, to your offense and defensive efforts. Um, what, what's the what's the NBA process that he went through and kind of your communications with him um, during that time? And, and, and how does that help a player now transitioning into his junior season just kind of get better and, and kind of understand how things are going to help your team? Yeah, you know, it wasn't a normal situation, Josh, for him to be able to go through a a process where they were, you know, going and working out for teams and getting interviewed. Uh, you know, everybody's world was tipped upside down. And, you know, in a normal spring where the NBA would be doing workouts and going through their playoffs and getting ready for a draft, you know, that the NBA was in a survival mode of trying to figure out what they were going to do. So, uh, you know, Timmy wasn't the recipient of a lot of, feedback as neither was a lot of the guys. Um, but I think, you know, he understands what he needs to do better. There's no question about that. And, and, uh, he's holding himself accountable. I think Timmy's in a really good place, you know, mentally coming back as a, as one of the leaders on our team and, uh, trying to simplify things. And he knows that, you know, for all of us to have a, a heck of a lot more of an enjoyable run and certainly an opportunity to make money at the next level that so much of that has to do with our, our team success. And, um, you know, we're going to do a good job as coaches of putting, putting our guys in positions where they can flourish. Um, he's going to continue to lead and, and play defense and, you know, play at a high level. So, um, you know, I think it, Unfortunately for a lot of these guys, I don't know what they learned, but I know we're all thrilled to be back competing again and and out sweating and and running around and doing what they love to do. And then, you know, we'll re-rack it and and uh, you know, hopefully it's gonna bode bode well for the future when those opportunities present themselves. Hey um, coach, uh, the original schedule had, you know, you had BYU scheduled on the twelfth of December. Is that still a possibility? And also, Lynn Roberts said they're doing a 22-game schedule. Are you guys going to just do 20 for the men? Uh, we're at this point, Mike, the, the plan is a 20-game conference schedule. Yeah, um, we're going to play two of those in December, and then 18 of those games will take place after, after the new year. So, um, yeah, BYU uh, – you know, as far as I know, we're moving forward with that game, and there'll be three other uh, 
three other games to come up with. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, Coach, I want to ask you about the uh, the two young big guys in Lahat and Brandon. Looks like Lahat was able to put on a good amount of weight. Looks like he was working hard in the weight room. And I, what kind of impact will that have on his game? And then conversely, obviously, Brandon is still listed at, at, at 215. Is there any level of concern with Brandon and, and maybe his level of conditioning and what impact that could have on his ability to perform this season? Yeah, I think Lahat had a terrific offseason. He was in Florida, uh, had access to a gym, and and uh, did a really good job. Lahat needs to be a bigger, certainly, uh, you know, more mass and, and uh, uh, physical presence in the post, and he has really addressed that and come back and um, – now we need to apply some of that mass, you know, to the court. Um, but he mission accomplished for what he was looking to do. And, you know, Brandon had a big summer, uh, you know, newly married. And I, uh, you know, it, it, his weight didn't go up like we would have liked to, but he's done a nice job since we've been back. I think Rock said today he weighed in at uh, one of his higher Weights. Uh, Brandon may be a little bit more skilled, you know, fluid playing away from the basket, but we still need to get, you know, a little more, a little more meat on Brandon's bones. Um, but they both seem like they're in good condition and playing well and, uh, you know, provide a lot of competition for each other in our practice setting. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been fun watching those guys. Larry, I just wanted to know what, what the plans were for Pella Larson uh, is he going to be a guy who's going to play alongside Ryland? Is he going to back him up? How is that going to work? Yeah, I think, you know, based on what we're seeing, uh, Pella's going to be, uh, you know, a guy that can contribute. He's, you know, he's a little more physical maybe than a lot of freshmen. Um, uh, oftentimes maybe that's where you get a little bit behind is, is some of the weight room stuff. I think he's got a defensive mindset as well. Uh, and oftentimes those are a couple of areas, you know, uh, boxes. If you don't check those that make it a little bit harder to play early on. But um, now I would expect Pell is going to be a part of it and, and be out pushing guys. We've had some we've had some good workouts. I think uh, some of the versatility in the backcourt and the wing creates some good good matchups. And it's fun to, to watch some guys compete. So he's, he's a good player. Yeah, Larry, what is, what is the feeling been like heading into today where, you know, normally coaches are really, really excited about starting practices and getting things going, but what was your feeling getting up today knowing that you guys were going to start practicing, but you're in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's a great day. It's a, it's a great day to be a Ute. Um, I think it's a great day all around college basketball. I've, I've felt really bad for these kids. Um, you know, when they've got a window to compete and I think as adults, you know, we've been through a lot. We'll undoubtedly we'll probably bounce back and it's, uh, it's a little easier to overcome, but you know, I didn't want to see these guys miss too much. And, uh, these are the prime years of their lives and, and, uh, we try to go about our business knowing that and, and having a lot of respect for what they're in the midst of. So 
just being out there practicing today was great. You know, there's there's been so many, uh, well, there's been a lot more downs than ups, put it that way. And uh, a lot of anxiety and a lot of Zoom meetings that leave you with anxiety. And uh, now I think we're all doing, you know, what we're good at and what we want to do and, and compete and coach and, and focus on some of those things. And uh, again, our, our medical staff has done a good job to, it actually feels like some of those medical issues now are secondary, even though they remain a primary concern. I just have a lot of faith in and how our university is handling our, their business. And it allows us to go out and, and focus on the game and try to try to improve. So I, I feel really good about it. I'm very happy for our players to have, to have that opportunity as well. Ryland obviously had his successes as a, as a freshman, but where, where do you want to see him progress or take it to the next level as a sophomore and maybe not avoid the so-called sophomore slump? Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I don't foresee any sophomore slump. Uh, you know, he had three significant injuries last year, uh, ankle, ribs, and concussion uh, to end the season. And, uh, you know, he's jumped into the weight room. He's put on 15 pounds of mass. His body's changed some. I think he's got to get a little bit smarter. Uh, you know, not as a knock on him, but no, maybe in a practice setting, when not to take a charge. Uh, and it's kind of hard to, to try to rein in somebody that wants to do that instinctively to maybe stick his nose in there where it, it doesn't belong all the time. But I think just, you know, again, not being a freshman, Ryland knows um, what to expect. He's gotten a lot stronger. I think he's always going to have a high IQ and uh and be a guy that can win games and make players around him better and uh just you know based on the short amount of time we've been working out this summer i know he's had a great approach and and uh, he's super stable out on the court and he's he makes you a better coach when he's out doing his thing so um i have no doubts that rylan's gonna be be ready to go and there won't be any slump involved it's gonna be you know, fingers crossed that he can stay healthy. And I think we can see uh, uh, even a dramatic shift in his production if we can keep him healthy. Hey, Coach, you got a lot of guys coming back from last year. Um, I just wondered how these new guys like Martinez and Larson, how, how they're going to fit into the mix and how they've been doing so far uh, in the practices so far. Yeah, no, they've been doing great, Mike. Um, you know, it's not easy to be a freshman. There's no doubt about that. Jordan Kelly is another uh, player. Those are the three new guys. And, you know, everybody's helping them. They're up here a lot watching film, trying to get brought up to speed. I know Pella was up here today and Jordan was up here today looking at film with our staff. And, you know, the, the sooner you can have a little bit better grasp for what we're doing, X's and O's and mentally, they can obviously let uh, some of their natural ability kick in and, and relax a little bit more, but it's been super competitive. And, and with young players, I think you can expect that, you know, it's, uh, it's all about consistency. You know, one, one of these young men may have a great practice one day and, and the next day, maybe not so much. And that's the, the process that we're looking for is, is for guys to bring a consistent 
level of, uh, of performance to the table. And as long as they keep competing and playing hard, uh, you know, I feel really good about all those new guys. It's been, it's been fun and we're going to have a little bit of a, you know, versatility on how we can play. Guys have different athletic abilities and skill sets. So it's, as far as the coach goes, it's fun to kind of tinker and, and mix up some lineups and stuff. I think the future's bright for all those guys. And there you go. That was head coach Larry Kraskoviak. Now we'll turn to his top player, a guy who uh, came back for his junior season rather than going into the NBA draft. That is Timmy Allen. He will have a big spotlight shined on him as he looks to be the leader and is going to be relied upon to have big production for the Utes if they want to make it to the NCAA tournament. Timmy spoke with the media on Wednesday. Timmy, I just wanted to go back to throughout the last few months. Uh, obviously, you guys were down in Vegas when, when everything shut down. You guys were just eliminated by Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament, but then everything shut down. Um, what has the last few months been like, and uh, how are you getting ready for the 2020-21 season? Uh, it's been very different. Um, obviously, I spent more time than usual back home in Arizona, um, just working out and training and trying to keep your head in the right space. Um, this time off could either help you or hurt you, and I try to take advantage of it. Um, it's good to be back on campus. good to be back with my teammates and coaches. But um, just getting back in the flow, it's been fun, um, challenging. But um, a lot of that time off, you're just glad to be back um, doing something productive. So it's been good. Um, looking forward to continuing with my team. Hey, Timmy, you obviously uh, put your name out there for the NBA draft for a time being. And, and, and with COVID and everything kind of shutting things down, it wasn't a typical year. Was there anything that you were able to learn from that process or anybody able to help you with that? Or was it, it more just kind of a wait and see? And, and what do you expect any of that to mean leading into your junior season? Um, I think just getting my name out there was helpful um, just to see um, where the direction of the whole thing was kind of taking me um, just to get my feet wet. I um, was hoping to get some workouts in with some teams, but obviously that never took place in time before I um, took my name out of the draft. But I just think the experience of being comfortable with it and get, and making it known that that's my goal and um, was big for me. Um, obviously, I'm back and I'm committed and I'm extremely ready to go for this junior season all this time. The offs got me um, revving to go. But, um, you know, I just look at all of I got out of it, um, talking with my people about what moves we're going to make and everything. And um, it was fun um, just to have my name out there. But I'm back and I'm better and I'm ready to go. Yeah, Timmy, um, what improvements have you made to your game uh, this offseason? What do you expect from yourself this year? Um, I expect another jump. Um, I put a lot of time into my jump shot and handling the ball in tight spaces and just being able to make plays all around the court. I think I'm a more willing creator than I was last year. Um, I like it, getting my teammates shots and I enjoy setting people up. Um, so mainly the focus was my jump shot, um, handling the ball in tight spaces, which I think I've improved greatly in, in, um, making plays off the pick and roll too, making the right reads, whether it's the um, the roller or the snap and just being able to read the defense in a more elite sense. Um, so, and the game is slowing down for me also. So as a junior, it's crazy. I'm a junior, I'm a 20 year old junior, but um, I'm, I think I'm capitalizing on that and just um, having the game slow down and just make little adjustments from the mechanics of my jump shot and my ball handling and playmaking. 
While you were home in Arizona, I'm curious, what did a typical day look like in terms of working out? I, I, I saw that Ray pretty much every day would retweet some stuff from uh, the garage. You know, I'm, I'm just curious what a typical day would look like. I'll be in that garage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a typical day, wake up, um, usually work out in the morning um, with my, my trainer, Tony Miller, who always keeps me right. He's kept me right for years. Um, so work out with him an hour or two, um, go home, chill out for a little bit, usually get my own lift. And at one point I was I was running too much, but um, lift and then run outside in that heat. And just, it was honestly, I did that more of a head clear than a workout, but it was both. Um, but uh, work out there and then just kind of hang out and recover at night. Um, nothing too crazy. I was very limited with all the COVID regulations and everything, and I just wanted to stay healthy so I could be in the gym as much as possible. But um, between uh, working out with Tony and just working out in my house, I have a weight room in my garage and just staying active and running and trying to stay in shape. I was always kind of doing something, but um, it was fun, man. I enjoy it all my time being home. You bring up the heat, obviously, Arizona. It does get very hot during the summer. Did you find yourself having to get a lot of stuff done in the morning or at night so you didn't have to deal with the crazy heat during the day? Um, yes and no. Um, if I didn't work out in the rare occasion, I wouldn't work out with Tony. I, I have a hoop in my backyard and I'd be outside. So I'd either have to be at like seven in the morning or like seven at night because in between there, you can't even see the basket with all the heat. Um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, no, I'd run in the heat. I love that. Um, I think it's harder, more beneficial for me. But um, other than that, no. Timmy, last year, obviously, you guys had a, a really young core. Uh, you were the veteran player, still are, but what 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 does gaining that one extra year of of just everybody kind of coming back and getting that consistency do for a team in terms of chemistry and just understanding how each other works? Um, I think it does more than a lot of people think. Um, I was sitting um, out of practice for the first couple of weeks because I had tendonitis in my knee and just watching how the guys are in sync way more. We're way further ahead than we were last year at this point as far as chemistry and just being able to make plays and reading the game. Um, just the, it just slows down a little bit, as I said for myself, but I, you could just tell with these other guys. Um, and just another year of confidence, another year of being out there on the floor, ready to make plays. Um, I think it's big and um, you can never underestimate the year of that year of growth. And, and you're not a freshman anymore. Being a freshman is difficult in the Pac-12. You guys are in a situation now on campus where, you know, you're under strict protocol with COVID. You're getting tested every day to make sure that everybody's healthy. Can you kind of uh, walk us through what a typical morning or, or day is like in terms of showing up to get tested and, and, and how you guys go about getting cleared on a daily basis? Um, okay, yes. Typical Utah day of that. Um, you come in. In the morning, you check in in the Huntsman. Um, you fill out your survey before that, before you get here. Um, it asks if you've been in the city or out about or within the city in the past day, um, in the past 24 hours. Um, if you've been in contact with anybody with COVID and you fill that out, you send it in, you usually get an email back um, and then you check in, you show them the email that you're cleared. And then um, they take your temperature, put a wristband on so you're good. And then um, you go to the training room or the gym, whether wherever the test be at that day and um, they test you whether that be the nose or the um, spit test, 
um, whatever you want to call it. And then um, Trev lets us know if something comes up. If not, um, we're good to go. And constantly wearing masks around here, um, as you would expect and as you should. But yeah, other than that, it's pretty system. Timmy, I just want to get your thoughts on a guy who played at Utah who just won his first NBA championship. What was your thoughts when uh, you saw Kyle Kuzma win his first NBA ring? I think he set the tone for us and the things who we want to do. Um, I mean, I've, I obviously look up to him and studied a lot of his game on YouTube, just watching. And um, we have a small relationship, but it, it just sets the tone um, getting to that level and being able to get through other things, seeing him be here for four or five years, and now he's an NBA champion, champion, a lot of people wouldn't expect it. Um, so it just drives me personally. Um, I'm happy for him, obviously, but it's a lot of hard work, a lot of hours in the gym behind that. It goes unseen. Um, so it's, it's, it's dope to see, and I'm happy for him, and it just gets me ready to go. And that's Timmy Allen. Utah junior forward and now we'll go to the starting point guard for the Utes Olympus high grad and incoming sophomore Ryland Jones who had a really big season for the Utes last year just as a a true freshman and now that load is going to get heavier as he goes into his sophomore season here's Ryland Jones and you obviously play a really aggressive game you uh you're not afraid to take charges or do anything like that coach said earlier today that maybe you need to to be a little smarter in some respects, not, not that you're stupid, but more like just take your shots, right? In the sense that like know when to take the charge. How, how do you feel like, uh, you know, you're trying to, to learn that as well as still maintaining your aggressive style of play? Just in practice this year, I've just been way more conservative. Like if I'll be in the right spot and if like Timmy Allen's coming down the lane, I'm not going to stand there. I mean, I might try to swipe and get out of the way, but I'm not going to put my body through that kind of just, uh, like contact over and over again in practice when we're six weeks out from the season. And um, yeah, it's just, I got a lot of injuries last year. I got bumps and bruises almost every game, you know, something ribs, ankle, uh, concussion. And so I just got to be a little smarter and maybe not take a charge uh, one minute into the game. Larry has said a, a bunch of times over the last few months that, you know, there's really a need for you to get into the weight room and, and build some muscle as he put it, you know, kind of build some body armor. What's, uh, you know, what's been, what's the off season been like in, in terms of getting into the weight room and, and trying to put some muscle on? Yeah. So, you know, I missed the last game and whenever we played in the Pac-12 tournament, um, you know, with my concussion and about three weeks after that, it was weight room four or five days a week with my mom because of COVID. I couldn't come up to the U, but you know, we have a, she's a personal trainer and we have our own gym. And so it was just on from, from that point forward. And I was just focusing on getting my shoulders bigger, you know, just stronger everywhere. But a lot of it was my upper body. And I just ate a lot, ate better, I ate well, changed my diet a little bit, you know, tried to eat a little healthier, but just trying to get as much food as I can while staying fit and in shape and putting on muscle mass. And I put on about 13 and a half pounds from when I was at the end of the season. And, you know, the few, the few workouts and practices we've had this year, I can already notice a difference. You know, I'm able to get through screens a little better. Um, I'm just, you know, they can't move me off the ball. And I think it's going to help me a lot this year. Is it tough to play with the extra weight? Because I know that sometimes guys put on some muscle, put on weight, and 
at least at the start, it can be hard for them to kind of play with that extra weight. Have you experienced anything like that yet? Um, not really. You know, I didn't put on much body fat. My body fat stayed about the same. So a lot of it was good weight, I believe. And, you know, so, you know, there's putting on good weight and bad weight. And I think I put on a lot of good weight and my body fat went up like half a percent. And so I haven't really noticed anything in my quickness or explosiveness. Rylan, not only are you a year older and a year into the program, so is guys like Brandon Carlson, Jackson Brenchley, Mickey. How are you guys going into this season now that you have a year under your belt? You know, when we all came in here last year as freshmen, we were just, though there's so many of us and we had to learn so quick and, you know, we were super sped up. And then coming in this summer into our sophomore season, you know, we're way more slowed down and in control. And you can already tell that our, like, uh, chemistry to what together we're working so much better together you know we can read each other because we have a year with each other and brandon carlson uh he's playing really well right now he's becoming a legit shooter um he's making all his mid-range made some threes jackson looks good um his, he, he's like 200 pounds just looks strong uh like and mickey was mickey's doing well um, you know, he's just a really good player and he put on a little bit of weight. He's just strong and, you know, we're all sophomores. So we've all been through the wars one year through the wars and you can only get better from experience. Yeah. I wondered, uh, you know, in the off season, you got that beer. Did you, uh, join the Amish this, this, uh, summer? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, just the quarantine happened and, you know, I didn't really focus on anything except for putting on weight and basketball and I just let it go. Hey, I just wanted to know, they got three newcomers this year. Can you tell me how they're fitting in with the team and just maybe what role you guys are maybe playing in helping them to adapt to the being freshmen and, and sophomore? Yeah, no, our three freshmen are really talented, or two freshmen and one sophomore, Jordan. Um, but yeah, uh, Ian Martinez, he's probably the best athlete I've ever played with or seen. And same with uh, Pella. You know, he's a freak show. He's six five, really strong, super explosive, and they're both really smart players. And Jordan, yeah, he, he came in from the junior college and he just, he might be one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. You know, he's in here 6 a.m. every morning working, running. He might also sweat the most as anybody player I've ever played with because he works so damn hard. But, um, yeah, you know, we're just, we're sophomores and we know what they're going through in the first couple of days of practice. It's just, a, it's a blur. And so we're just trying to help them maybe see things that we can see as sophomores that they can't quite see as freshmen. And, you know, that's our job as upperclassmen and leaders is just to help them along the way so that they can help us uh, in our games coming up. Rylan, last year, uh, you obviously had a lot of success uh, in your first year of basketball, and there was a lot of times you didn't look like a freshman. But where, where do you feel like your game needs to improve to kind of make that next step and, and make sure that you're still kind of giving yourself that competitive advantage, knowing that the chemistry with the team's also improved? Um, yeah, you know. I need to cut down on my turnovers. I think that's my biggest goal this year is just to be out there and be even in more control of the game than I was last year. Um, the game is a lot slower to me right now. It feels in practice and I've been able to make more reads, better reads, less turnovers in practice. And then, you know, I worked a ton this off season on just my, my three ball off the dribble and quicker release and my shooting just consistency. Because if, you know, if you're knocking down a lot of threes, you know, they have to get up and guard you further out on the floor 
and then that creates more opportunities for me to help my teammates get assist my teammates because I can get uh, into the lane. You know, a lot like Steph Curry, you know, you got to guard him 35 plus feet out there. And if you're that far out there, it's easy to get by him and then he can make plays for his teammates. And so I just focused on a lot of that. And yeah. And there you go. That was Utah point guard Ryland Jones speaking to the media on Wednesday. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Trevor A Sports and also on Instagram at Trevor Allen KSL. And also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at KSL Sports. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next week with another camp update. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by KSLSports.com. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.